Hello, and welcome to Communicating Education, the official podcast of the Long Island School Public Relations Association. I'm your host, Christina Baumgartner. On today's episode, we'll hear from Chip Parker, the current president of the Long Island School Public Relations Association. We'll talk about the organization, why belonging to groups like LIFESPRA is important, and school PR in the age of COVID. Who knows, we may even get him to talk a little bit about fish. So grab your coffee and pull up a spot on the couch. Actually, let's be real. Turn up your headphones and make sure you can still see the notes for the social media content you're working on as we talk to Chip Parker. All right, so today we've got with us Chip Parker, the one and only. I am the one and only. You are. current president of the Long Island School Public Relations Association, um, dad to two really cute girls. Anyone who follows him on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook has seen all of the adventures, um, a board member with the Mockingbird Foundation. Correct. And an all-around all-star school PR person. So we're going to talk to Chip a little bit tonight. You're far too kind. So Chip, why don't you tell us what you do? Other than, you know, everything I just listed. <laughs> well, I'm a public relations director for Half Hollow Hill Central School District on Long Island. Um, again, a father of two lovely girls, and my wife is pretty cool, too. Maybe she'll listen to this, and I'll get some bonus points. Um, yeah, I enjoy craft coffee. I just had a delicious Ethiopian. Yeah? Yeah. Are you still working your way through that list? I know you asked people a couple of years ago to send you recommendations. I am. I am. I have a list of about a hundred roasters and I'm about, I'm at like number 32 or 33 working down it. And it is fantastic. That is awesome. That is absolutely awesome. So what is your elevator pitch for school PR? When, when somebody asks you, Oh, school PR, what is that? You know, it's a, it's a great question. I mean, we're in the business of, of being storytellers, but a lot of it is uh, image management and persuasion. And, and you know, it's, when people think about schools, they're like, why do, you, why do we need a PR person? Um, and just because we're not selling a product, we are managing a reputation of a very big institution with a lot of different audiences, you know, families, community members, taxpayers, kids. There's just so many people that are connected to school districts in one way or another. Um, and it's our job to help manage their reputation and their image. Um, you know, a lot of it is persuasion, uh, whether you're proactively doing it or subconsciously doing it, you know, building goodwill and transparency will pay dividends down the line. And that's stuff that we're doing every single day in school PR. Um, so that's really my elevator pitch when I talk about it to people. It's, it's huge. You know, you think about, especially on Long Island, the budget sizes for some of these school districts. And, you know, if they were a private business, they'd be throwing 20 to 25% in the marketing. And we're yeah. not really a, a district or a school of choice area. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, we are in a area where, where tax levies are high. Um, so uh, families, parents, taxpayers feel very connected because they have, their, they have a vested interest in what we do. Yeah. Um, so it's our job to sort of keep them informed, keep them on our side, um, and work for them. And how, how big is your district in Half Hollow Hills? So it's a, it's a central district on, on Long Island, which means it's, it's sort of a consolidated group of a bunch of districts in the fifties. Um, so we have about 7,500 students, um, there's about 50 square miles, I think. 
about 50,000 residents and it covers a bunch of different towns, different demographic areas, um, none of which would have a real main street, which kind of makes it a little different than some districts, um, which also makes us kind of like the only quasi-governmental organization in the, in the area. Um, you know, it's not like you go to a downtown and, and there's a civic, a group, you know, it's us yeah. and the library, that's it. So non-school PR related, what's the last thing you read? Uh, this is a good question. So the last thing I read was about 30 minutes ago, I read The Princess Wear, Princesses Wear Pants. <laughs> uh, it's a real riveting tur page turner. Uh, okay. It turns out it's okay for princesses to wear pants. And then right before that, I wore not that, I read, I read not that tutu, not that tutu. Oh, not that tutu? Oh yeah, and, you know, I'm embarrassed to say I don't do a lot of reading for myself anymore. It's mostly reading for little children, um, which I enjoy tremendously. I yeah. Places I enjoy um, having fun with it. But the, so I, the last two things that I've read for myself, and I'd be lying if I said I've read a page of them in the last few months, but I started um, The Road to Character by David Brooks, which is fantastic. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm still trying to find The Road to Character personally, so... <laughs> so <laughs> But it really is, that one is a really good book. It was given to me by a very good friend and a mentor. Um, and the other one I started actually more recently, I was reading on, using the books app, uh, I was reading Metamorphosis by Kafka again. Oh, okay. I, over. I admittedly have read a lot of things in my life and I use the word read loosely because, you know, as, as a youth, when I had access to and time to read all these fantastic novels, these classics, I would breeze through them, cliff note it, and gather what I needed, and then lose it afterwards. And yeah. you know, as as now somebody who turns forty this week, as an older person, it horrifies oh. me because all I want to do is go back and read these classics and like really, really enjoy them. Um, so I enjoyed. Uh, I took a lot of philosophy classes in college. Yeah, uh, I had enough. I had a minor in it, but I had enough to have an associate's degree if my my school offered it. Um, and I enjoyed reading a lot of the existential authors. So I liked Kafka and I wanted to go back and read Metamorphosis again in this time, um, enjoy it. So I'm about 20% through it and it's a okay. short story, which is embarrassing, but <laughs> it's not really a, a well, novel per se. But you took a break to read about why princesses wear pants. Uh, every day, every day. It's either that, there's also one called Monsters Wear Underpants. Okay. A lot okay. of fun. See, a lot of important fun. to know. It anyway. I think it was the New York Times bestseller. Okay, enjoy. see? We're reading, we're reading bestsellers all over the place. But yeah, so so those are the two two books personally that I've, I've started recently or started over <laughs> the last twelve months. Let's say that, and maybe I'll finish by twenty twenty four. Yeah, twenty twenty four probably. Oh, okay, all right. So, do you have a memory from your own school days that kind of stands out from either, you know, a moment that you had in school or a teacher you had that impacted you? You know, that's a tough one. Um, I have a lot of memories and a lot of them are very vague, <laughs> but, but I do remember, uh, you know, I actually, so I went to your school district that you work for. Yes, and, you did. Uh, the, the ethnic pen uh, program and ceremony had just started when I was there. And I believe I was their first MC for, for some award ceremonies. And it was a great chance to practice public speaking in front of different groups of kids. So it wasn't just students from my school, you know, they invite schools from uh, students from many different districts. Um, so that kind of takes a little of the edge off. You're not performing in front of your yeah. peers. You know, it's, it's peers you're not going to see tomorrow, which is fine. Yeah. Um, so I enjoyed that and, and the ability, 
the thought that people tapped me to do that at the head of the English department. And I loved my journalism classes. I, I loved the freedom that came with it. Um, I was the sports editor of the paper, the Maroon Echo, and I enjoyed um, giving a little plug for, for your school. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed it. You know, I enjoyed it. We had a good teacher, Dan Weinstein. He's a great guy. Um, and he, he taught us a lot and gave us a lot of freedom to learn uh, on our own. That's great. That's always an important thing for teachers to give you sort of that leeway to pick it up and make your learning your own. Yeah, he probably and, thought I was a real pain in the ass, but. And look where it brought you. Yeah. You've I come know. full circle. Now you're writing stories about schools. Absolutely. And all over it. again. You know, I, started, I started my career in agency PR, um, writing for, working in Manhattan and writing for, um, telecom clients and a lot of a lot of home building product clients so flooring um tile companies tile trade shows and i really didn't enjoy it and and after a little bit of time doing that it made me question whether i'd pick the right career because i was not enjoying writing anymore I went yeah to loved writing loved it you know i would do it for fun to someone who dreaded having to write again about laminate flooring um, and I probably just wasn't in the mindset at that age or, you know, to, to embrace what I was doing and mm -hmm. really become passionate about it because I know now that I could have. Um, and I left it to, to work in, in mostly nonprofit and fundraising for a long time, which allowed me to keep sort of my, my hand in it um, because nonprofits often don't, don't want to pay for services yeah. right, or outside agencies. So they'll, they'll lean on people that have skill sets. So I got to do a little bit of it, but I also kept doing it as a volunteer for the Mockingbird Foundation. So yeah. And that really helped me parlay back into uh, working full-time in school PR, uh, which has been fantastic. I love this as a career. I feel that I'm, you know, one of the things I love about nonprofit work was I felt like I was doing something meaningful, that it was really helping people. But I was a fundraiser. And, and that is difficult. You know, it's, it's basically glorified sales. You're selling it a good feeling. You're selling, yes. selling a non-tangible object yes. to get Which a good feeling in their stomach. You know? Probably the hardest thing to do. It, it's horrible. <laughs> you know, it's great <laughs> and horrible at the same time. So this gives me that same, you know, I'm working for a good cause. Like, you know, every time I step into a classroom and I see kindergartners, yeah. uh, you know, or I see high school kids achieving and, and, and I re remember what I'm doing every day. It really, really uh, makes me feel fulfilled and happy with the choices I made. Yeah. It, it reminds you of that why. Yeah, absolutely. It's a very tangible reminder of why you're sitting there spending the hours that you're spending on <laughs> right. sometimes things that become mundane. Pulling out your last eight hairs in my case. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> Don't do that. Weep, closing the door and weeping for a few minutes. But uh <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. And I mean, I, I didn't know you when you were on your agency side. I think I met you pretty early on in your school PR career. Absolutely. You were a huge help. You were one of the first people I reached out to and, and also start, um, reached out to, to Lisper to our Long Island School PR Association. Um, you, re, you sat down with me. I remember you sat down with me and sort of- We went to Nikki's. Yeah, we went to Nikki's. We went to Nikki's. It was delicious. Sat out on the water, but you really worked me through sort of your, your day-to-day um, and, and some of the things that you've done, some of the tactics you had uh, yeah. that I use to this day. Um, so it was hugely helpful, but also surrounding myself with a group like Lispra, hearing other people talk, um, talk about the issues they were facing, the challenges, how they mm -hmm. were overcoming them. Uh, that was hugely beneficial. That along with our state chapter and, and our national organization yeah. 
they all really enrich you as a professional, give you so many opportunities for professional development. And I was really like a sponge. So when I came back into school PR, I hadn't done PR as a career. In a while. 15 years. Yeah. Uh, maybe a little less than that, but, but you know, at least, at least a decade. And um, it was a challenge. It was an itch I hadn't scratched, right? You know, there was a mm-hmm. part of me that maybe I'm not cut out for this. Um, so when I came in, I really came in looking to do it and do it right. I spent months researching it when I realized that I had this opportunity um, and setting up what I wanted to do. Um, and I think that really helped me, helped me transition easily into it because I had a plan. Yeah. I, I had my plan. I went back to my roots. I, I, cre- I researched, I created action plans. I thought about how I was going to communicate stuff. I looked at ways I was going to say I was going to evaluate stuff and never have the time to evaluate it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's what I was going to say is, is I think I met you pretty early on and, and just to see where, you know, where you've come in school PR in the last, I mean, what was that five years ago now, four or five years ago. And, you know, now, I mean, you're one of my go-tos when I have any kind of issue come up, Um, you know, so it's, it's been really fun to sort of be on that journey because I didn't start my PR career, my school PR career that much before you did. Um, I'll be in this profession six years in January. So it's not that much longer than from when you came on the scene. Um, it's, it's and now careers, I, know. I remember you telling me about your background and I think your background is similar that you know, when you have good business acumen, right? And you mm-hmm. understand scenarios and you know, you understand how to work with audiences. You add that to being able to write well, you yeah. can be good in this profession. Um, Mm-hmm. Take one and one and separate them, right? Part and parcel. It becomes much more difficult. But if you have the ability to to write and tell stories, but also understand business, and that's something that we bring to the table in education. Most people in education are educators. They, yeah, you know, educators sailing a very big business boat, you know, mm-hmm. um, and they need somebody that can come in with that sort of lens and is going to stop and look at things and go, yeah, just because we've done this always this way, we may not be the right thing. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, when I, when I came into this, I had the, the last two things that I had done were working for a member of Congress doing communications and uh, working as sort of the right hand to the owner of a streetwear brand right. and building that audience and, you know, could not be more far removed from the world of education. And I mean, you know, when you're working in government, you delve a little bit into education and you're dealing with with the schools that are in your district but you know to then step in and and take all of those other things and I think you're absolutely right having that different background sometimes where you didn't spend the first part of your career in the classroom and and then you come in and you sort of have a fresh way of looking at it but you still have that skill of telling stories and and being able to pull out the stories and figure out what makes good content yeah I think you're absolutely right and now Definitely a different animal working in school PR versus yes. And now, in four short years, you have become president of LISPRA, the Long Island School PR Association. They just knew that I like doing. I'm 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 diligent. I like doing work. I think that's why I got tapped. But no, I'm I'm thrilled to be doing it. You know, uh, it's such a wonderful group um, of professionals that have supported Mm -hmm. me, and I also saw um, ample room to increase the value to our membership. You know, I saw things that we were doing well that we could do better or replicate. Mm-hmm. And I saw some, some openings, some needs that needed to be filled 
Um, so when the opportunity presented itself, and I also saw the ability to surround myself with really uh, a skilled and talented executive committee that was going to work with me to, to do these things, I was thrilled to do it. Um, I certainly didn't expect it four years, four years ago <laughs> that I'd be at the helm of it. Um, so why don't you tell our listeners who maybe aren't familiar with what the Long Island School PR Association is, why don't you give them a little bit of background about what the group is and what it does and who's part sure. of it? Absolutely, yeah. The Long Island School PR Association is, is our professional organization for uh, education-based pro, uh, public relations professionals on Long Island. Um, it's, I think at one point it was connected to sort of the SPRA system, right? The state and national organizations, but now it's really its own uh, entity. Um, and we do that by supporting our members uh, through networking opportunities, through professional development. Um, and we, really, the networking is a huge piece of it because so many of us are, and, and this isn't just for Long Island, this is across the board, are one-person shops. Absolutely. Um, that, it can be very isolating um, in business when you feel like you're the only one dealing with these certain stressors. Um, so when you can talk to pe peers, that are one town over that are dealing with the same thing. And it's similar when I talk to uh, PR professionals in South Dakota <laughs> who, are, who are dealing with things. Um, yeah. and, and you just see the comparatives, which, comparisons, which are, are, it's amazing. But that ability to sort of group think, bounces, I hate using words like group think, but I did. Um, bounce you ideas went there. Off, yeah, I know, I know. Bounce ideas off of each other and uh, sort of think things through. You know, we, we started uh, when we hit, crisis areas that some of us had expertise in. We, we sort of developed a system to support each other, something that our organization hadn't done before, which was just another added value. Hey, you're dealing with a student suicide. Here's two people that have also dealt with it. And here's some other people that have dealt mm -hmm. with sort of the press onslaught that you're going you're gonna to be experiencing. Let's all get together and let's talk. Let's, let's talk about what you can do, what your next steps are, what you can anticipate, um, and then have a debrief afterwards. And that's you know one of the things we started last year uh, to add some benefit to our members. We have sort of a listserv, email serve type of thing, which is great for bouncing questions, sharing information. Um, we built out a member resources folder on Google Drive uh, to share a lot of the things that we collect. I collect everything. Every time oh, I yeah. see a good picture, I collect it. I don't often read it again. Uh, sometimes I do when I go back, but I was sort of sitting on this trove, right? This treasure yeah. trove of knowledge. And I said, if I'm not going to get back to it, I need to at least share it with other people. So um, we got that out there. Yeah, and and I, I think that's been so helpful. Oh, thanks. Because <laughs> sometimes, well, because sometimes when you're, when you're in the middle of something, sometimes just to start writing it and to be able to take yourself out of it long enough to be able to figure out, well, where should I go with this? What pieces should I put in here? What pieces should I leave out? To have that sort of template to work off of is immensely helpful. Thanks. Yeah, it's, it's something that I know is helpful for me. And I knew shared, I was going to get other resources from other people, things that I hadn't found, and that it would be an added value, like just something extra that people could have access to. It's like having a library of ideas. Yeah. And, and there are some great resources at the national and state level that offer similar things. This was just sort of a locally based one um, that works well for us. And I, you know, we've also started doing networking events that are sort of after hours that aren't about school PR, even though all we do is talk about school <laughs> PR at them. But you know, a chance to sort of stand around with some friends and and get to know each other personally. Yeah, 
you know, I mean, we, when COVID hit, we, one of the greatest things we had going was a text group where we were just talking to each other, allowing ourselves to be loose and to smile occasionally, but also, hey, I'm in a real need situation right now. I'm on deadline for something and I need help. Yeah. And, and it's, so that was another huge resource. But that's what I love about these professional organizations. And I wasn't hugely involved in them in the nonprofit sphere. Um, they, oh, they didn't, they didn't exist in government. When right. I worked in government, I mean, so many things were so, you know, close hold and it's, well, I don't really want to tell you maybe how I did that because then you might go out and do it better than my boss did it. Yep. I've had members ask me for my media list for every one of my mm -hmm. media. They were rebuilding one out. And my initial gut reaction is like, this is personal property, right? I've worked hard to build this. Yeah. And then I remember I'm not really competing for those eyes mm -hmm. and there's no privileged information there. And if this person wants to go sell a great story about their school district to, to a list and just need some help getting some contacts, here you go. Have it. So well, I was yeah, happy. Because at the end of the day, we're all trying to help kids. Absolutely. And, and it's not like I'm Coke, you're Pepsi, right? Exactly. Um, you know, it, we're just telling good stories. If there's somebody out there that wants to cover it, that's great. I, I, that's one of the things I love about school PR, you know, versus versus agency PR, where you're really fighting for eyes and you're trying to create ad value to sort of back out why what your retainer is, mm -hmm. right? Um, in school PR, you know, you're just trying to get the good story out there. You're trying to handle crises when they come in, um, but you know, you're not fighting to be in every single article. <laughs> you know, you don't need that. There's there's yeah. no need for it. If, if it attaches something really strongly to a program or something going on in your district, yeah, that, you know, you want to present that opportunity, but uh, it's not like warfare. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned the, the group text um, because I can't even tell you how many times that group text was what made me smile that day and, and having you guys, you know, sending the gifts or, um, you know, occasionally playing a, a game of bingo. Can I stop you right there? Is yeah. it gifts or is it gifs? I call them gifts. I don't I know. know. What do you call them? I call them gifs. And the reason I say this is like like peanut butter? Like peanut butter, but I think, and I'm almost 100% sure, if you look this up, the creator of the GIF file calls them gifs, and that's why I do it. That's why I say it that way. Okay, how about, how about we, we, we do it completely different? They're moving pictures. So you guys put some you guys put some moving pictures in the group chat. They're short animations of glory. They really are fantastic. <laughs> and I let me tell you something. There is no other group of people in my life that I can have conversations through strictly animated photos. And we all know exactly what we're talking about. That's what I was going to say. I had a friend when they first started coming out and being used, you know, I mean, obviously they've been around, since, I, I remember seeing them in the nineties, but when they first started being used in, in messages, right? In mm -hmm. chat. Like yeah. That, me and one of my friends decided to try and have just a conversation with them. And it was really entertaining. However, every time we tried to meet up, one of us would be over here. The other one would be over there. Yeah. We could never get together, but it was a really funny month where we were, yep. we were just going through Jeff's. But yeah, we, well, yes, we were, we were communicating through gifts and uh, potato, <laughs> potato, right? Yeah, right. right. <laughs> okay, you can keep your peanut butter. I'm going right. to keep calling them gifts. Um, so that, and I think we may have once or twice played maybe a game of bingo during some press mm -hmm. conferences, maybe once or twice. Um, but those and the Zoom meetings. Yeah. The Zoom that meetings that we had, and I'm so glad that we're continuing them because those had so much value. 
yeah, I really, I felt like there was a need for connectivity in the spring. Like we just needed to get together. And well, because I mean, you, you had two really cute little kids to entertain you all day yeah. while you were trying to get work done. Entertain. Is that the word? Entertain? <laughs> well, some of us were, were in apartments by ourselves yeah. all day, That's true. all day. So to have that connection was amazing. It really was, you know, and, and we were doing it weekly and it was, there was no requirement. Just stop in. You have a question. You just need mm -hmm. some event. We were there. We'll hop on for an hour after lunch. Um, and, and, you know, it was something that I started thinking, you know, once I was elected president, I was like thinking big picture with this. And I was thinking about Long Island and we have members that are great members, really, really talented professionals, mm -hmm. consistently impressed by that we never see because they just live on the fringe of Long Island. They're either farther out east or they're farther yep. into Nassau. And it's difficult for them to get together for general meetings. And I started saying, all right, maybe we can webcast these. Maybe we can do these via Zoom. I mean, we're gonna have to do them via Zoom for a while, but even moving, if we move back to an in-person meeting, do we have a camera set up so that other people can be virtually there? Yeah. Can we put out a paper cutout with a with an iPad over the face so that they we can really feel like there's a person <laughs> in the stand of an NBA game? You know, I I started the I mean, type of things. I you, wake did up. Did you did you get yeah. that idea from the MLB? Of course. No NBA. I like the NBA ones. Those are really cool. Those were good ones. Those yeah. were good ones. Yeah. But you know, I started thinking through how this was scalable. Right. It was. It, it filled a real need. Uh, for us then. And we've, we've since transitioned from weekly, which just was a lot to continue to do now that most of us, if not all of us are back in the office, mm -hmm. um, to a monthly format. And you added a really nice flavor to it with uh, the mini gold mines, like sort of doing uh, an opportunity for our members to speak, uh, get some speaking experience, talk about a program or something they've done that's worked really well. And just I mean, I'm, I'm not sure I can take credit for that idea. I'm not sure that was really me, but okay. You want to give it, I'll, I'll take it. I'm pretty sure it was you. I'll take it. All right. We, we might have to go back and check the minutes. I'm pretty sure the minutes say it was you. I remember it being you. Then again, my <laughs> memory's not that good. That's what my wife would tell everyone. I think, you know, slightly selective, but no, you, I, you I did remember. remember to mention her. You did yes. remember to mention her. So that's the important part. Times. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I, I think that that was another uh, nice, nice touch. And I've really, you know, so you're the second person to say that in the last two days about the text group really being helpful to them. And then I've had a number of people say that the, the Zoom chats are great. I wish, we could, I wish we could get more people. And it's difficult for people to get in there. Um, yeah. But I think when people do jump in those meetings, they really see the value right away for it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know, I think on the last one, I think I was splitting my time between dealing with some kind of situation. I don't even, every day is the same at this point. It's, it's one big episode of Groundhog Day. Um, so I, I can't even remember exactly what it was, but I think I had you guys on mute for a little while dealing yeah. with, with one, of my, one of my colleagues on the other line. So, um, but even still being able to jump in and out like that, which you don't necessarily have the option to do during in-person meetings is also Awesome. It's all flexible and, and, and people bring up resources that then we share out to the group afterwards. Yeah. So you know, even if you can't make it, we try, you know, it's not like people are taking minutes and, and running through it, but we, when we have those resources, we share them out to the general, to the general group after that. So yeah, I can't yeah. say enough good things about this organization, what it's done for my, my career, allowing me to have sort of have a second career. Yeah. Uh, you know, the people are wonderful. And also as you move up the chain, our, our state group is fantastic. Nice Absolutely. Person. Inspira is phenomenal. Um, yep. There are so many talented people that I'm, I'm glad to call friends now. Yeah. Uh, 
that and, impress me every single time I hear them talk about something. Yeah. And, you know, that was another cool thing was during quarantine. And I think you jumped on a couple of these as well, is there was, I think, a full week or two weeks where we oh, yeah. were doing national Zoom calls every day for about an yep. hour and just sharing back and forth with what are you doing and how are you handling this? And I thought what was kind of cool about that was we in New York, we were kind of a little bit ahead of the oh, rest we of the, the country yep. Yep. With, with the shutdowns and, and, you know, having to move things around. And so, you know, it was really an interesting way to sort of get some perspective and get some yeah. ideas of what was happening. And on the flip side, also to be a resource for others. Because Absolutely. Had, you know, we had hit those, those places a little bit earlier than, than different regions did. And we were at least able, you know, what's inter really interesting about that is it's treated so differently state by state, yeah. region by region, all the way down to the district level. But when you think about the, the bigger picture, um, and so, you know, we could talk about how we were dealing with something yeah. that was completely not translatable to them, but was. They, you know, even though they were going to have to be doing it completely different, right? Mm -hmm. they, they were only going to mask, wear masks at a certain grade level, or yeah. they weren't going to wear masks at all, you know, or they were going back in person, or they were not going back at all. It's still the dilemmas, the problems, and the language, um, the thought process, yep. that was translatable, so. Yeah, it's been, you know, all three organizations have been really great resources throughout. And I mean, I have to agree with you that, that the benefit of belonging to these types of organizations, I mean, not just professionally, because professionally, I mean, the benefits are, are through the roof, but even just on a personal level, you know, the people that you become friends with, and, you know, I'm going to go back to our, our group chat, our group chat, that, you know, there are some days where even just on a personal level, being able to go in there and just say, am I going crazy? <laughs> you know, like, I, I just feel like everything is out of control. Am I crazy? Yeah, and, and, and to be able to get that feedback on that level as well, you know, is just so valuable. And to be able to do the same thing, you know, whether you're, you're chatting with the school communicators group on Facebook and, and going back and forth dealing with all of those things or on Twitter and, you know, a plug. I mean, we're recording this on a Tuesday night where we've got a school PR chat going on on Twitter um, in another hour or so, um, you know. Just, another another great resource. Oh, absolutely. The K-12 PR chat, that, that is an amazing resource. Um, sometimes I don't make it to the chats. I just go back and check the hashtag. Yeah, which is great. I usually lurk with one or two GIFs at the beginning of it. I'm, not an, I'm, I'm more of a lurker than I am a contributor. Um, but uh, Some nights. It depends on the topic. Yeah, sometimes I do it, you know. I, I always feel like I have nothing that good to say. Like, I, you know, I think that's what people will come away from listening to this podcast. and be like, wow, that guy had nothing good to say. <laughs> <laughs> that's my, I, I, I doubt that. But I think that that's something, and that's an interesting point, because I think that that's something that so many people in school PR um, deal with is sort of, I don't know, do they call it imposter syndrome? Sure. Yeah. You know, I mean, we have so many people in all of these organizations that are just superstars. And I think sometimes it's really easy for people to sort of sit back and say, well, what could I possibly share? Right? Yeah. Because there's all of these really big things happening. So what could I possibly contribute? I, you know, and I think a lot of that is, is that we, we live in this job. You know, when you are a one person shop or a small shop dealing with 
the myriad of challenges that, that and, and projects and programs and things that we have to do, um, that it's difficult to take a step back and say, wow, that campaign was awesome. Yeah. Or, wow, that was really effective what we did here. And I'm proud of this strategy. Um, so sometimes you need to hear those people on the outside that are watching and saying, that was impressive. And you yeah. know, I, I've seen it. I've seen it with so many of our peers uh, that I'm proud of. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's twofold. I think it's that sometimes we're so in it that we think that we're not doing anything that's different than what right. anybody else would have done. But you never know that one person sitting in another one person shop who sees what you do and say, wait, I never thought to look at it that way. And then the other piece of it is, I think sometimes that what happens is we finish that campaign and we're already into the next thing. You know, we're already knee deep in the next thing. And we don't take that time to sort of reflect back and say, wait, I did a really good job on that. Absolutely. That's, that's where I was going with it. But you know, I think one of the, one of the times that I, a time that I often see that is when we have the opportunity, when we have a seat at the table and we're providing strategic counsel to our leadership. And you really can see that the lens that you're seeing this issue through, um, the way you think it through in terms of strategy, audiences, actions, channels, what our goals are, how we're gonna evaluate them, that other people just aren't thinking like that. That this is a very mm -hmm. unique skill set um, and brings a lot to the table. So when I see myself in those opportunities, uh, you yeah. know, when you get in there and, and you're invited to have mm -hmm. a conversation um, from a strategic standpoint that really shows the value of your career, that's when I really see it. That's when I say, okay, we're pretty damn good. Yeah, I think we are. Um, I did promise the audience in the, in the intro, um, I'm, I promised them that we would talk about fish a little bit. Ah. And the only thing that I know about fish, because in my life, I don't think I've ever heard a song by fish, even after being friends with you for four years. We'll have to change I, don't, that. I don't think I've ever heard a single fish song. So I'll need recommendations on where to start. Um, probably you're not gonna, the deep. You're going to be asking, you're going to be asking for 20 minutes of your life back after that. <laughs> <laughs> well, probably not the deep dives, right? I probably don't start with the deep dives. Um, but the one thing that I do know about fish is that the fish fans or what do you call yourselves? Is, are you fish fans or there's another name for you guys, right? I think they call them like fans, like with a pH probably. I, you know. Okay. I was gonna say, is it kind of like fish food? Cause I know fish food, right? The, the Ben and Jerry's flavor. Ben and Jerry are fans. I just listened to a show yesterday that Ben and Jerry came out on stage. It's from 1996. Uh, I think it was, I don't know. I'm going to get, I'm going to get Lambe. Oh, Clifford Ball. And, and they came out on stage and they sang like a little bit. It was horrible. They were horribly off tune, but they're fans. And it's full, they're both Vermont based. So yeah, uh, makes sense. A deep connection in Burlington. But the, but yeah, the, go on. the one thing that I do know about fish mm -hmm. is that fish fans are a super passionate group. Yes. And that, and that you guys are passionate, not just about the band, but you guys are really passionate about building community and doing great things. So you guys, I guess fish fans are the ones that got together and founded the Mockingbird Foundation. Yeah. I, a long, you know, 25, 30 years ago, I'd have to check and be sure. 
but um, a group of fans uh, started the Mockingbird Foundation to benefit music education. And really, they had some assets like a, a website. So one of the great things about a band like Fish, which is it's, it's improvisational, you know, it's, it's sort of like jazz meets rock and roll. And uh, so you never know what you're going to get each night. Every night you go to a concert, you could go to four nights in a row. It's yeah. like opening up a different pack of baseball cards. And you're like, oh, I got this one. I got this one. Because you get completely different set lists. So back in the 90s, you know, sort of pre really everything, everyone having a phone and being able to hop on, you know. Yeah. Wanted to know what did they play in Glens Falls last night? And so people would go there and write down the set lists and then they would be sort of blasted out. Mm -hmm. And there was a, you know, a intellect, we have some IP that was a website where people would go to. Um, so you sort of have these opportunities that things are monetized and, and we wanted, well, this is way before me, I say we, but uh, the group that got together. I think, I think you can speak on behalf of the group. Yeah, I'm a director now. It's, you know, I'm, I'm so, so honored and thrilled to be a director in such an awesome organization because there's probably much better fish fans out there that would love to be. And I, I love fish. I'm a fish mm -hmm. fan, but it's not my identity. I really love um, the music education aspect of it. So they decided to use these, this IP um, and they have a album, Sharon in the Groove, that they sold that uh, Jimmy Buffett, Dave Matthews, all these other artists performed fish songs. It's really cool. Um, and then also are the Fish Companion, which is a, a book that they have three volumes of, and they're so cool. They, they talk about all the shows, song histories. Um, and so through the sales of these and just through general fundraising um, and apparel and all sorts of other stuff, uh, they raise money. And then each year we give away uh, a lot of money to music education programs across um, the United States. And I mean, it ranges from a a school in Alaska that wants to mm -hmm. teach a course on Inuit music or a school in West Virginia that, that needs new banjos for a program they want to launch on bluegrass. Um, so I, I, I'm proud that I'm, I'm the chairman of the grant making committee now. So I get to be very involved in that. So having been a fundraiser for a long yeah. time, I had done that, you know, and I, and yeah. I could help out and contribute on that level, but I always really wanted to learn about the grant making aspect and I love it. It's so much fun. It's a lot of work, but we're right now in the middle of a round where we're, we've sent out for final proposals. They're due in a few days and then we're going to begin doing a deep dive on each one of those um, to vet them and make sure that we can fund them. And then in December, we'll make an announcement, usually given about $120,000, $125,000. We also finished a COVID awesome. campaign. Yeah, we did a COVID campaign where we uh, seeded it with $25,000 and mm -hmm. said we would match the first $25,000. So um, we raised a ton of money and we were able to give it away, sort of like miracles, you know, yeah. in the, fit, the Grateful Dead communities, they call it like people walk around outside the stadiums with their finger up looking for someone to just give away a miracle ticket. Miracle me, bro. Miracle me. Um, so <laughs> another, we another band I have never listened to. So I don't, I don't get the reference, uh -huh. but maybe some of our listeners will... We'll that, that's heartbreaking. We really need to, you know, it is, it, listen, it is a acquired taste. Um, I, so my, if you, if you read my profile on the Mockingbird Foundation yeah. uh, website, my board profile, it points out that when I first was exposed to fish, I would hear this noise coming from one of my college roommates rooms. And it was just, it just sounded like, remember like channel three back before cable was yeah. like, shh, shh, shh. you know, it, it just sounded like noise. I was like, how do you listen to this stuff? Um, but then I went to a show and I experienced, like you said, the community atmosphere, you know, yeah. the lot where you bump into somebody you went to middle school with and they give you a hug and you go inside and the lights go down and the crowd just erupts. 
And you know, you go to a lot of pop acts and I've, and I've been to other shows and they're well choreographed and mm-hmm. a really cool show. You go into a fish show and you have no idea what's going to happen. They're going to come out and you're going to see something you've never seen before and you're never going to see again. Yeah. And they do attention release style jams that are just amazing. So it is phenomenal music. Um, I, I run a, uh, <laughs> a fish show book club where me and a group of uh, <laughs> friends get together and each week we have like a theme and we listen to a bunch of fish shows that are themed and then we come together on a zoom and we talk about like you know oh that it's ice was awesome when <laughs> <laughs> so, it's so great such fish nerdery, but but we love it. It's it's a great thing. So Mockingbird Foundation is great. It's it's music education. It's a, an opportunity to give back to to kids and adults um, that are learning about music ed. Um, so if you don't know anything about it, I, su- I suggest you look it up and, and take a look. Yeah, absolutely, take a look at it. They're doing wonderful work, and it ties in so well with your with your other work in education that you're so involved in another organization that's also trying to provide opportunities for for learners of all ages. Thank you. It, it so. eats up all of my free time. So <laughs> between and, and, kids, school PR and Mockingbird, yeah. I occasionally have a chance to sleep. Occasionally. Yeah. Very occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe one day you'll drive me to a fish show. Uh, maybe. I think you'd enjoy it. You like dancing. I do. I do. I mean, just I, mean listen, long dance party. I, I may not have ever listened to fish or the Grateful Dead. But it quiz me on quiz me on Brett Michaels or Jay Z. I'll I'll get anyone, anyone any day. We'll go toe to toe. All right, here's out. here's a quiz question. Oh goodness gracious, you're really gonna do it on Jay Z? Has Jay Z ever performed with Fish? I feel like this is a trick question. Go for it. You know, you said quiz me on Jay Z, so I know, I'm going to mean, find the best of both a, worlds tour. I didn't expect a fish Jay Z question. I mean, I Who's have to say the, yes. Right, right, right. I have the to answer, say yes. The answer is yes. The answer is yes. I feel like I feel like he's exactly the kind of performer that would get on stage with Fish. I'll send you the track afterwards. Yeah, he, you he, better. They were in Brooklyn, and he performed with them. I remember at MSG once. I said to one of the. Uh, the ushers, I said, you know, Jay-Z performed with these guys. He was like, what? <laughs> okay. So he has performed with them. And I also made a okay. reference to that Best of Both Worlds tour. I mean, I said Best of Both yeah. Worlds. So what was that tour with Jay-Z? Let's see if you know that one. Oh, God, why? I don't uh, know. You actually, you actually. Jay-Z and R. Kelly. Thank you. Okay. Wasn't it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Now you're going to have to look it up. I, I can't believe I said quiz me on Brett Michaels or Jay-Z. And then I got one out of two. Uh, I got one out of two. Do you know what it is? It has been a, it has been a long seven months, Chip. It has been, I think you can attest to that. It has been a long seven months in school PR. Yep. That's for sure. But I want to thank you for coming on with us today. It has been awesome. And if no one else has said it to you, I'm going to throw it right back at you. Chip Parker, you are impressive. Uh, Thank you very much. It was awesome being here. Um, This was a fantastic idea. I'm so excited to hear uh, from the other guests that you're going to have in the future. Yeah. Here. I'm sure it'll be far more impressive than I am, but, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be tough to fill those shoes. Oh boy. <laughs> this was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. This has been communicating education. Thank you to LISPR president Chip Parker for being with us today and sharing your insight. If you enjoyed this episode, 
Don't forget to check out our other episodes and become a subscriber. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. For more information on the Long Island School Public Relations Association, visit our website at www.lispra.org or find us on Twitter at LISchoolPR. Until next time, keep your head up, keep the caffeine flowing, and keep communicating education.